0: Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. <laughs> Let's welcome a team guest who has not been with us for a while, but we are starting the year on a good note, Dr. Evelyn Mushoka, who is a healthcare practitioner. She's a specialist in urology and she's a surgeon as well. So thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Mashok.
1: Good evening, Patricia, and good evening to the listeners and your producers. Thank you for being here and compliments of the year.
0: Compliments to you too. I'm sure you've had a busy 2021. Managed to rest and you're ready to kick start this year? Yes, definitely.
1: I had I rested. You can see I've been off as well just for the first week of January. And I'm very glad to be back. I'm more energetic and I'm looking forward to this great year.
0: I'm also looking forward to it. Um, uh, So we are talking about some of the common urological problems that uh, people face and how to treat them. The one that comes to mind immediately is the uh, urinary tract infection, UTIs. Because some of these, especially because they happen a lot to women, but not only that. They, they can happen to even much, much younger people. So you don't think it's something that only happens to older people. Explain to us what UTIs are and uh, how we can prevent them, if possible, and how to treat them.
1: And I should say, when we talk about UTI, uh, just for the listeners, it's that urinary tract infection. And I just want to clarify what we mean by that. When we talk about the urinary tract, we actually divide the urinary tract into the upper urinary tract and the lower urinary tract. By upper urinary tract, we're talking about the kidneys and the ureters, And then the lower urinary tract is the bladder and the outlet. So most of the time I know when we are mentioning this in urinary tract, you find that people are thinking of what is the common, which is a, like a cystitis. That is when there is a infection. In the bladder, or inflammation in the bladder, most of the time due to infection. So, when we talk about urinary tract infection, remember when someone passes urine, the urine should not have any bacteria. So, it's clean urine. And I think this is one thing which we have to have in mind. And that's why, when someone, for instance, is pregnant, will always be checked, you know, with a Urine, we call it a dipstick, the one that we just put a stick in to check if there's any, you know, infection or bacteria. So once there are bacteria in the urine, we call that bacteriuria. Bacteriuria is just the presence of bacteria. It does not necessarily mean infection. When we say it's an infection, it means that it's already it's affecting the body and the body is reacting to it, so meaning that there will be things like past cells, or leukocytes. Leukocytes is just white blood cells, meaning that there's inflammation in the body from the presence of the bacteria, and it's kind of like, you know, the body fighting it. So when someone has got a urinary tract infection, it can be, you know, what we call um, acute urinary tract infection, or it can be chronic, meaning that it's uh, taking long, more than, uh, you know, two weeks. So with this, especially I want to talk about because it affects mostly females. So the chances of having infection on average is around 1% in children. But once someone starts being sexually active, this increases to about 5%. And when we are looking at it in men, any urinary tract infection that we diagnose in a man, we treat it as a complicated urinary tract infection. Because remember just to look at the length of the penis, when we look at the from the bladder to the outside, the penis protects, uh, you know, the bladder in a male from getting uh, infection because most of the infections are coming from outside. So once those bacteria start creeping up the urethra, which is the pipe uh, that connects the outside to the bladder, you find that the person passes urine immediately. So that is why chances of infection in a male are very low and in females are very high because the urethra in a female it's about four centimeters. So, yeah. But what I can say is, in females, one of the things that we commonly hear, you find that some of them saying that no, it happens after sex, for instance. So this is what we call, for instance, recurrent urinary tract infection, meaning that it comes over and over. And then in some, they may have what we call persistent, meaning that it has not been cleared. So once we have got infection, which is more than two times in six months in females, and more than three times in a year, we treat that as a complicated urinary tract infection, and we we'll look and see why is someone having recurrent infections that much. I'm sure you have heard about what uh, what they call uh, honeymoon cystitis, uh, Patricia. I'm not sure if you have no, heard, about never, Doc,
0: You've heard about it. No, I've never, Doc. I've never, never heard about
1: it. Yes. Yeah, because that is one of the things which, uh, you know, urinary tract infection, which is associated with a sexual activity. And you find that some couples, you find that they start pointing fingers that know it's you or whatever. One is actually not an STI, but it just means because of the activity of sexual intercourse, you know, with the bacteria, it actually kind of facilitates the bacteria creeping up into the bladder. And this can be treated as well. So the issue is once the infections in females more than two times in six months or more than three times in a year, go and consult and be clearly and thoroughly evalu- evaluated. That is one thing we look at. The second thing is if it is associated with blood in the urine and then if the urine that is sent to the lab cultures an unusual bacteria, meaning that it's any bacteria other than a E. coli. E. coli is the common bacteria that we will culture. But if we culture anything else, we need to check because there may be things like stones, kidney stones, for instance, or bladder diverticuli or tumours. So we need to evaluate and see why someone is culturing something different. But it's definitely one of the very common things that we do see people consulting uh, the urinary tract infection.
0: All right. So you are able to treat it. Uh, You just need to make sure that you go to a urologist. Would a GP be able to check out UTIs and
1: then treat those? Definitely. The GP can uh, be well-equipped to check uh, urinary tract infections. Simple things that uh, are usually done, you know, like uh, checking the urine. I mentioned the urinary dipsticks, and then urine being sent to the laboratory to determine, you know, what type of infection and what are the best antibiotics. And most of the time, we give what we call broad-spectrum antibiotics, which will cover, you know, like things like the quinolones. You know, some people end up even knowing the antibiotics by name you know once i have someone coming and say no i had urizo i had once they start knowing the antibiotics and they're not pharmacists no we need to check what is going on because some of the things that we find you won't believe it patricia is that it's things like um you know problems with the back you find that someone has got a nerve problems and they are not emptying well so what do we do usually investigations that are not painful for instance doing an ultrasound checking the bladder, is the person emptying properly or not, looking at the kidneys, looking for things like kidney stones, for instance. So the general practitioner, gynecologist, then urologist, uh, usually they will refer to a urology, for instance, if it, it seems to be complicated, then we will evaluate because the evaluations that we do as urologists include invasive tests. For instance, like uh, doing cystoscopy, which is to look inside the bladder to see what is happening. And like I said, checking for things like kidney stones. So we, it can tell you when someone has got a urinary tract infection whether they're having a life-threatening problem or just a quality of life, you know, problem. Hey, teamers, uh, we are in conversation
0: with uh, Dr. Evelyn Mushoka, talking about uh, common urologic problems and how they can be treated. We've just discussed uh, UTIs, and um, uh, the lines are open for you to interact with us. Please do so. Ask any questions related to your sexual health and your urological issues. Uh, if you are one of those who knows every antibiotic uh, by name because you've had so many issues, also call in perhaps Dr. Mushawka i will be able to give you better perspective and some advice on what you need to take to um, aid your condition. 011 714 2006 is the number to dial. Alternatively, you can send a WhatsApp on 0614 104 107. Here's a voice note from an A-teamer.
2: Good evening, Patricia. This is uh, Anonymous in George. Hello Dr. Moshoka, I wanted to know, I visited a urologist about two months ago, I've been complaining about weak erection and the pain is coming from the bladder and I think inside the penis as well, so the doctor recommended me to use uh, cellulose and Euromax uh, concurrently for six months, so my question is would that solve my problem permanently or I have to revisit the doctor again after those six months? Then number two, I just wanted to say at least this, uh, this two tablet, these two types of tablets, they've made some wonders with my erection. I wanted to say thank you to that doctor who prescribed those tablets for me. Thank you. This is George. This is Anonymous in George.
0: Thank you very much Anonymous for the question. Keep them rolling in. A team is uh, Dr. Mushoka
1: is on the line. Doc, please respond. Thank you. Thanks Anonymous in George. Uh, I should say that I mean what Anonymous is talking about, the common thing which can, you know, which is part of the inflammation we are talking about. Some people can have we talked about the bladder cystitis. One of the things that we do see affecting men a lot it's inflammation in the prostate remember with the prostate we usually will talk about prostate cancer and people get very scared about it but there is you know another uh, condition which can affect the prostate which is a uh, prostatitis we say prostatitis is you know like when you say arthritis all it means is inflammation within the prostate and this can be due to a uh, bacteria it can be due to just inflammation, which is not, uh, you know, bacteria related, and the, you know, medication that Anonymous talks about talked about, like UroMax. Uh, it actually works there in the bladder neck and the prostate to relax uh, the prostate and to assist with inflammation within the prostate. Remember, when someone uh, prostate is affected, two things may be, uh, you know, coming on as symptoms with urine or sexually you know some men when they've got inflammation in the prostate they can have early ejaculation you know they may come in with pain at the tip of the penis anonymous talked about that, that pain and and then some actually because they're feeling unwell they start thinking it may be sexually related that can actually affect uh, you know uh, sexual functioning as well so when we treat the pain and give them comfort it makes it easier and i always say to them you know what sex is good for your prostate, and most of them will be like, you must tell that to my partner, you know. So those the uromax that you talked about definitely helps a lot with it. And it depends whether it's acute prostatitis or chronic prostatitis. In acute, we'll treat and then we'll stop. In chronic, definitely the person has the own treatment as a chronic type of medication. The other medication that uh, Anonymous mentioned, Xialis, which is one of the medications that helps very well for the blood for the blood vessels, you know, which are very which is helpful to to bring uh, blood flow to the penis. And the nice thing about this is that it works, you know, with touch. Then that's when the blood flow will come there, and then it gives someone. You remember last we were talking about the grades of erection, that kind of grade one, you know, to four. So usually they have a good erection. Give confidence. It gives confidence to the partner to see you know, a good direction, and then they will initiate more. So it brings back that comfort and then confidence in, in the bedroom, and that makes it quite easy. And I'm glad that Anonymous is happy with the combination of the two. And it's not addictive. I always mention that it's good for the blood vessels. So it's okay. good that you've got something working there.
0: All right. Uh, William Bloomfontein, asks, uh, please ask the doctor whether it's true that not wearing underwear can cause a UTI.
1: No. Not wearing an underwear can cause UTI. No. no, not at all. There are people who actually enjoy not wearing an underwear, so it's not associated with an underwear at all.
0: Well, it, it does underwear cause some um, you know problems urologically?
1: It depends. I mean, I think some people, you find that they come complaining of things like itching of the scrotum, you know. It's one of the, we call it dermatitis, uh, which is around the scrotum. One, some of the things that we look at is, you know, you find that you are washing your underwear, for instance, with a different soap than with the what you are washing your other clothes. So we look at things like that, the type of the underwear that the person is Could it be allergy, for instance? But, uh, I mean, is it too tight? You know, those are the things that we look at. Is there any, you know, physical properties that are there that are affecting you on the under- underwear? otherwise nothing there's no association of the type of and i mean wearing an underwear or not or the type with a, a any infection and then issue of infertility is the other thing that we look at you know like someone who wants to have their fertility you know being improved for instance we always recommend no tight underwear because that can be the way in which it does not allow the scrotum you know to hang down when it's warm and then to snuggle all that important uh, you know mechanism which is there to control temperature it gets affected when someone is wearing tight uh, underwear, but otherwise no and, and, f- and I should for say women? people who just just yeah even for females, the mm-hmm. same thing we all i mean look at the type of the underwear for instance, and pets you know pets which are for instance, which are perfumed. Someone may be allergic to that, or panty liners, which are perfumed. So that is why when you look in uh, shops, you'll see there are some which they'll write they're perfumed or not perfumed. So that is where one should check to see if it's fine. But things like cotton, cotton underwear, for instance, you can breathe, you know. You need something that is breathable. It makes, you know, a big difference. So even for women, there are some who don't want to wear any underwear, and they're comfortable with it, and that's fine. I don't think there's any. There's actually not only about thoughts, but there's no documented association uh, of infections with underwear.
0: Let's go to another ATMs voice note.
1: Doctor, I might be late for this conversation. What causes in informa- inflammation on the right? A testicle that is inflamm inflammation and pain. Mm-hmm. And all the medication given for a week or two never works. Mm-hmm. Though the appointment is on standby for follow up the following week. The doctor ruled out the testicular cancer. Mm-hmm. Anoni.
0: You can weigh in, Doc.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is what I always say. When there's pain, you know, pain is telling you there's something going on and you don't sit on it. Uh, Anonymous didn't mention your age, but let me just start by talking about what everyone gets scared of, which is cancer. Testicular cancer is common at the ages between 15 to about 35. And I'm saying 15, I'm talking adolescents, no? So if there is pain, if there's a nodule, if there's a lump, that is when, you know, we start thinking, could they be inside the testis itself, not around, but inside, because the tumors that can be there can be testicular or paratesticular. So if there's no cancer, and usually an ultrasound will rule out, then that's point number one. You are, you've ticked one, which means you are not dying. Then the second thing is having pain. You are very specific. You are saying the right testes. And then you are saying that, no, it's, it's, you know, it's not improving on treatment. That's the first thing that we'll do. Doing an ultrasound tells us things like, is there something going on inside the testes or outside? What can go on outside, which you may think is just the testes? Varicocels. Varicoceles are veins which can be there. Some people can feel it when it's a grade 3. Uh, being like a bag of worms in the scrotum, so we look for that. Things like cysts, they can be cysts, which can be, you know, blocked uh, sperm, uh, you know, transportation. We call that a spermatocele. It can be things like epididymitis, meaning that it's an infection, and we find that the antibiotic we're getting really does not hit uh, the target. For instance, there are blood tests that can be done, which can check that. And if anonymous, if you know, uh, above 40, for instance. The other thing, have your prostate checked as well because prostate issues can go all the way back onto the testes and give, in, you know, infection there. And I just talked about prostatitis. Many people find that they are being treated for an STI. One is sexually having inflammation in the prostate, and then you know you are using a condom, you are being, you are having... You know, you're abstaining, you're having a regular partner, you're following everything, but they still have this pain, and they're telling me, I know. You find that sometimes it's prostatitis, and that is why we have to have a very high index of suspicion for inflammation of the prostate. But anonymous, that can be managed, checked. And then if there's not any of those, it may be referred pain, meaning that it's pain somewhere like over the area of the kidney, radiating down, because the kidney and the testes are actually connected. So please, you can get second opinion. That's the another thing which we are lucky about. Uh, but those are the suggestions I would have for anonymous.
0: Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back. Um, A team has sent us your messages on uh, SMS 41391 or WhatsApp 0614104107. Uh, You can also call in and ask your questions or give us comments on 0117142006. It's Closet Conversations and our conversation is around uh, common neurological problems and how they can be treated with Dr. Evelyn Moshogwa. SMS SAFM now, now on 41391. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Dooley, Monday to Thursday, 10pm till midnight. Closet Conversations. Let's uh, go to a question from an A-teamer who asks... Um, okay, this is what they say. Good evening, ma'am. A very good program. My son was injured badly on his testicles during soccer. Uh, during a soccer match, it was severely swollen and was treated. My question is Will he be able to have kids one day? Must he go for a test?
1: Okay, that's a very straightforward question. Um, with the particular injury, uh, we have got ways in which we, we classify them. Uh, once there's a rupture, you know, of the, the we call it tunica. It's a very tough layer of the testis, usually that will need surgery, but otherwise, usually not a problem. And if the testis is there, the blood supply is still going to eat, your son should be fine if the testis was fine anyway. Sometimes someone may be listening now that their son has even lost the testis. When someone has lost the testis and the testis that is remaining, remember there are two, it, I always say it's almost like someone who has donated, you know, a kidney, for instance. The one remaining one, like, someone who has got one eye, they can still see. So the, the main thing is be rest assured there's no need to do any further tests. Let them grow, enjoy their life, and then, you know, be sexually active and then try. Once there are issues, then that is when they can be tested, for instance, to sperm count.
0: All right. Um, I hope that will help you, anonymous, with the the issue that your son has faced. Let me go to the lines. I've got A-Team anonymous on the line. Good evening. Good evening, A-Team anonymous.
2: Hello, doctor. How are you?
1: Good evening. Fine, thank you.
2: I'm okay, doctor. Hey, uh, my urine, my urine, it's, it's yellowish, and it's got a smell. And then, and then, uh, when I, when I'm I'm I am i am sexually ex- uh, when I'm doing intercourse or when I'm doing sex and then um I'm do- I'm, I'm getting just a, a, a early ejaculation. I don't know what should I do to, to be okay. I don't know. I, I need to help that.
1: How old are you? I'm fifty two now. Fifty two? I'm fifty two, yes. Okay. All right. no, thank you. You can listen on the radio just for me to give a quick uh you know, overview on that. Let's start with the urine that is yellow. Uh, urine colour will change depending on the type of food and amount of water that you take. If your urine is almost like, you know, the five roses to going towards the it means you're not taking in enough water. If it's going towards your rooibos, green tea, it means they're taking enough water. That's why once you start to worry that it's yellow and it's smelling. You've been passing urine I mean, all your life. You can have it tested. It's an easy test to do in the rooms. So I would recommend that see your local GP, for instance. They'll check, see what is going on. And then at the age of 52, remember you have to have your prostate checked as well. You mentioned a, a early ejaculation, and I always say, once you start mentioning it, it's something that is concerning you. Consult to see what is going on. The things that we look at is And then you find that because they were having two rounds, you know, before, so they used to postpone their partners for the second round. Now they're only having one round. Now they start seeing that, oh, I'm having early ejaculation. And remember, as you grow older, you find that the first round is exactly your last round, and you need to live and be comfortable with it because your body can reach a point where you find that a second round, for instance, is luxury. And it's okay. Don't push yourself but just know how to work with it. So that is what I would recommend for you to do. Just be checked, have your prostate checked. I just mentioned that some people when they have inflammation in the prostate, you find that they have early ejaculation and that can be managed, okay? So yeah, it doesn't sound like there's any life-threatening problem there. Thank you.
0: All right, uh, Anonymous, I'm sure that uh, response assists you, but the most important thing is that you need to go see a doctor. All right, Anonymous is not long on the line. Um, Doc, I know we're speaking of various problems, but our A-teamers are really coming in with messages. Uh, This one says, uh, uh, the A-teamer that spoke about the son says, Doc, my son is 11. Since birth, one Mm. of his testicles uh, hardly comes out. Only one Mm. comes out. What
1: might be the problem? That sounds like an undefended testis, and that needs surgery. So the issue is, I just talked about the risk for uh, testicular cancer starting from around 15 to 35. And with the testes that has not come down, the risk is actually 10 times higher. So please go consult. And then the surgery that can be done on your son to find that testes and to bring it down. Or if it is abnormal, it can just be taken out. And that does not mean that your son will be less, you know, of who he's supposed to be. With one testis, they can be, you know, like somebody with one eye, that can still see. So it will still perform. Thank you.
0: Here's another one that says, whenever I get an erection and not end up having sex, my testicles swell. And after some time, some semen comes out of my penis. I've been with this problem since 1985 when I was 16. Now I'm 53 years old and still having the same problem. What might be the cause of this problem, Doc?
1: Yeah, I mean, what I should. I missed where, you know, the person saying when they have erection and they don't get sexually active, what happens to the testicles? The testicles
0: swell, and after some time, semen will come out of his penis.
1: Yeah, yeah, because uh, what we should look at, remember, every morning when you wake up, you will have erection, you know, physiological, That erection, that is an erection that will be there and you may not be sexually active, you know, having that erection. So I think if you're mentioning very clear, I can hear that Anonymous is very, uh, you know, very worried. You know, Once want to start mentioning from the age of 16, you are so clear with the timeline. Have you consulted about this? Have you been advised as to what to do? Because women, remember, one can actually have uh, ejaculation without erection as well. Erection and ejaculation, it's not the same nerves you know, in the body. That's why some people can just have semen not having had an erection. So it's also good during the, when you are seeing whoever to understand how your body works because that can be very frustrating to some people not knowing and thinking that they are abnormal when actually your body is just, you know, it's just being normal and you just didn't know about it. Once there's something like pain, for instance, we can actually check to know What is the reason? And at at the age where you are, remember, I just talked from the age of 40, please have your prostate check. Don't be scared of, you know, examination, because I know that is one of the big things people are afraid of. It is very important for you to check.
0: Uh, here's one from Balisa, who's in Maseri. Balisa says she's 40 years old. Says uh, She has a pain around her pelvic area. And the doctor says um, that her uterus is inflamed. It's caused by hormonal imbalance. So the problem is she never got any medication. Rather, she was told da- uh, daily do's and don'ts, but the pain continues. Are there any over-the-counter medications that you can suggest a doctor?
1: Yeah, I should say, Carlos, with the pain in the pelvic area, you know, especially the way you are talking that it's been there for some time. I would be very, you know, keen to know more about the pain. I know people want a like, you know, a quick fix. One of the things other than a hormonal imbalance which can affect and cause pain in the pelvic area is nerve, uh, the problem, nerve treatment like in the spine. I don't know if that was excluded. So that is what I would recommend. And, you know, you are not allowed to prescribe, you know, looking at the HPCS, a health professional council's rules. A doctor is not allowed to prescribe anything for someone having not examined that person because there are things we have to consider, like allergies, what other medication are you on and all of that? So the person who prescribes for you should have examined you. So I would recommend be seen and then uh, be treated by someone who has examined you. And don't take medication from a neighbor, for instance, because that can end up giving you problems. When a doctor prescribes to you, they're taking responsibility of side effects or whatever that can come with that medication. Here's so for a- Palis, just uh, so I suggest, uh, also... Discuss things like nerve entrapment or what we call sciatica, for instance, with your clinician, please.
0: All right, doc. Uh, here's one uh, of uh, the um, you know urologic uh, problems that also yes. happen quite often: kidney and ureteral stones. I've yes. never experienced it, but I've heard that yes. this can be extremely painful and life-threatening.
1: Definitely. Uh, some people actually say the pain is like giving birth. I've heard men saying that, and then even if they've never, you know, I mean, gone through labor, they're not, this is worse than labor pain. So it's one of the very common things that we treat. And what I like saying is that the kidney is almost like a funnel, you know, when urine comes from the kidney, like a funnel where you've got wide up and then narrow down. So when the stone, most of the time, the stones form in the kidney or they will form in the bladder if there's blockage of the bladder. So when the stone is forming in the kidney, someone may not necessarily have pain, or it may be very vague. But once it drops into the narrow part of the funnel, which is the ureter, that is when they'll come with excruciating pain. And usually they'll come in, we will do a CT scan. I mean, after testing the urine and doing a sauna, we'll do a CT scan, which will show us, even if it's a 5 millimeter, or a 4 millimeter, or 2 millimeter stone, we can see it, and then some stones we will treat without doing any surgery, and some we do surgery for, which can be done as an emergency. Very relieving, and it helps a lot. So if it's in the bladder, we'll treat the stone, and we'll check what is blocking the bladder, making it to have stones inside. Commonly, it's the prostate. If it's enlarged, someone can have bladder stones as well.
0: What causes these uh, stones to form? What can we do to avoid
1: them? One thing which I wanted to remember is that we just talked about urine, you know, being yellow, and the reason why urine is yellow. Urine is not water. Urine is water and salt. So what happens now is, if one is drinking less water than you know they should, the salt will be more than the water. Then they will start, uh, you know, aggregating and coming together, and then that's how a stone can form. So that is why one of the big things we always say is drink water and drink enough water. Water is not beer, not coffee or juice or whatever, it's water. So water intake is one of the biggest things that we see. And I also should mention that we see this in this, you know, fast life that we are living, where people are waking and not drinking enough water, and the only time the person will have drank water is when they're in the gym or whatever. Drink water throughout the day. I usually recommend having water before every meal. That helps a lot. So the stones that can form, there are different types. One common is what we call calcium oxalate. Then from there, you can have uric acid. People who have got gout will know about uric acid. And then there are other stones which may form, like calcium phosphate, which can form due to the body not being able to metabolize or the urine being too acidic, for instance. So, but the big thing about it is that when the stones form, if it's one stone, once we usually will not do extensive tests. But if you pass a stone, take it to the doctor, they can take it to the lab, we'll look at what type of a stone the person has. But the big thing is drinking water. Two is the diet. What type of a diet is the person having? Diet which is very high in protein, for instance, increases the chances of uric acid stones. So we will usually advise the person according to the type of a stone that the person, you know, has had. If it's bilateral stones, mm mm-mm. We have to check what is the reason. And then, whatever we do, we'll advise the person on how to prevent having another stone. Because some people pass stones, they even give them names the way they don't know. No, mm. it was James, it was whoever. Yes, because mm. they're passing stones so frequently. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Painful. All right, drink more water, a eh, teamers. Um, water. Another one is incontinence. I mean, yes. and I'm sure it happens to both men and women. But I've heard a yes. lot of women as they grow older, and especially after giving natural birth, this becomes an issue.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know, natural birth is natural, and we should actually know that it's you know it's not in everyone where they will have problems as well. But let me just talk about incontinence, what it is. It's actually involuntary, you know, loss of urine, which is not socially acceptable, or, you know. So, And there are different types of incontinence. There is, you know, that what we call edge incontinence. That's the one we see a lot in women and stress incontinence. Edge is that one where someone wants to pee, you go to the toilet, there's someone in the toilet, you start dancing, they, the next thing, by the time you undress, already urine is going down the lake. So that's one common type of urinary incontinence. And then stress is the one which when you laugh, urine comes out or when lifting something, you know, or coughing. So that is, and some may have both, you know. And then in other cases, it can be what we call total incontinence, which we see in men, usually after they might have had a prostate surgery. you find that they're leaking all the time. Or some even due to prostate problems, that is blocking. Uh, you find that they, when they go to the loo, they just pee a bit, but they're wet uh, most of the time. We call that overflow, incontinence. But any type of incontinence that the person may have, it's not normal. Because people will say, no, because I'm aging or whatever. No. Any type of incontinence. And remember, incontinence may be a social, uh, uh, embarrassing problem, but it can also be life... I mean, telling us that there's a life-threatening problem, like kidney failure uh, going on. So when you're incontinence, don't just go and get all the different types of pads and pad, and think it's enough. See a clinician to check what's happening. Is there any life-threatening problem like kidney failure associated with this incontinence or not? And then the other common one that we see, like people who could have had cesarean section or pelvic surgery, like hysterectomy, for instance, is that they may be wet all the time. Some are having this because of what we call fistula. And and this is usually when you find that the urine is not coming from the urethra, it's coming from the vagina, and that they are wet all the time. So this can be treated surgically. I always say that we can treat that, and they can even walk without an underweight. So the basic thing is that once somebody is wet with urine all the time or with uh, agency or with cough, it can usually be treated. So don't even if, no matter how old the person is, so... It doesn't have to be normalized at all. All right, here's another one.
0: Uh, this A-teamer says, I don't sperm when I have sex. I'm 49 years old. I can go to up to four hours without sperming.
1: What might be the problem, doctor? Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering about uh, anonymous. Uh, what does the partner say, you know, about this? if it trying for this couple? But anyway... The issue is, if you go, we call that anorgasmia. Can you have anorgasmia? Remember, anorgasmia just means it's someone who does not reach orgasm. And that can happen in males or in females. So the issue is, once that is there, picture check what is happening, and you're mentioning that it goes to four hours. You are writing to us because it's somehow bothering you. And then can be checked what are the reasons. Sometimes, let's start with easier things. It can be side effects of some medication. You find that somebody's like fluoxetine, antidepressants, which can cause it. So we need to look what is, what are the things that can be removed, you know, from your day to day that can be causing this. And then we have to look at other factors as well uh, for this person. Is the sensation fine, for instance? And sometimes, I mean, uh, some people can reach orgasm but not see anything coming out. Some of the medication we give for prostate, like the uh, Euromax, or phlemmec, you know, those. So we have to look at medication, and then we now look at the nerves, What is happening with the sensation? And then we find ways in which can, which can enhance and make it better and easier for this person to ejaculate in a time that's appropriate for that couple. Because I don't think uh, four hours uh, is something that having an erection that long really would be safe for you. Erection lasts for more than two hours. Sometimes there are changes that happen. Within the penis, you know, it's what we call, like, what we call priapism. I think we talked about it last time. Where someone just has erection that is there for too long, it ends up being painful. So please uh, discuss it with your clinician. Just be checked what is really happening uh, with you.
0: Here's another question. Here, uh, doc, uh, it says, "Hi, hmm. Patricia and doc. My problem is once in a while when I pee, I experience blood clots." Is it normal? By the way, I'm 42 years old.
1: It's not normal. So what should the eczema do? Yeah, blood in urine is not normal. And uh, like what we usually will check is when you said there's a blood clot, what we'll check is is the blood in the beginning. We call it initial hematuria. If blood is in the beginning, the common thing is that you may find that there's something going on in your urethra which is the pipe uh, that takes urine uh, from the bladder out, or something in the prostate. And then if the blood is at the end, the common thing we call the terminal hematuria is that there could be something going on within the bladder. And if it's total hematuria, because you may find that the times when you don't see any blood in your urine, when we do the test with a dipstick, there's blood. So blood may be visible or it may be microscopic, So that, and it's not normal to have that in your urine. So you can be checked uh, what is going on. Because things that can give you blood in urine can also be from the kidneys downwards. And if it's a clot, we will look at whether is it round. Usually it will be from the bladder. If it is like thread, you know, like a, 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 you know, long, like worms, it usually comes from up, like in the kidneys. So just be evaluated, especially when you are from the age of 40, you are at the age where we get worried about things like cancer. And if you are smoking, it increases your risk even more. So please uh, just be evaluated and then you can
0: uh, be reassured if there's nothing to worry about. Thank you. All right, Uh, uh, Dr. Mushoka, always such a great pleasure. You've really enlightened us. And at least we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to um, be worried and anxious. When we see a problem, we know that there is a solution if we go to the correct medical practitioner. How do our A-teamers get in touch with you?
1: And thanks, Patricia, for this time. And You can please, you know, check on my website. We dot com. my particular survey. It's been such a pleasure to be back, and this has been such an interesting talk. Well, make sure that you are available for us because you're no
0: longer on leave because we look forward yes. to having the next chat with you.
1: Definitely. Thanks
0: a lot. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Moshokwa. Hey, teamers, it's a Thursday edition of Late Night Conversations done and dusted. We've done our week, uh, but uh, we look forward to coming back again on Monday next week, uh, being, what, the last four week of the month? Um, and it's, it's a special week for me because my middle son is uh, growing a year older next week, and it's also my late mother's birthday on this Sunday. There's also a birthday um, on the 22nd. It's Joseph Hill Culture's birthday on the 22nd. So it's just a beautiful day i think week that we are getting into a week where we wrap up and schools have been open for a couple of days now so we are all getting back to normalcy and it's um, a week that i really look forward to we'll be together again on monday from 10 p.m for the late night conversations from the team and i may goodness and grace lead you all to the great heights of success